Well, as I said at the beginning of Mass, the Ascension truly is one of the most theologically significant events in Scripture and in the life of Christ. Uh, but it can seem a little bit complex. But in order to understand the significance of the Ascension, we need to begin, as we always do, with who Jesus is. All right, remember, as Catholics, we profess that Jesus was God who came down from heaven and became human. All right, Jesus was 100% God. All right, God came down from heaven, became human, and entered into very ordinary experiences of human life. God came to earth, and we call this the Incarnation. Well, the Ascension sort of mirrors what Jesus did in the Incarnation. Because not only was Jesus 100% God, but Jesus was also 100% human. At the Ascension, Jesus took our humanity into heaven. All right, the Incarnation, Jesus brought divinity to earth. Well, in the Ascension, he brings humanity into heaven. All right, this is underscored by Jesus' words in the Gospel. He says, I'll be with you until the end of the age. All right, Jesus says, I'll be with you until the end of the age, and soon afterwards, he ascends. So Jesus wasn't distancing himself from us. We shouldn't interpret the ascension in that manner. Rather, Jesus, in some incredible way, is pulling heaven and earth together. All right? By becoming human and ascending into heaven, Jesus pulls heaven and earth together. All right? Now, that's kind of the complex theology of the ascension. If you read theology books, that's one aspect that you'll read about. But it isn't always easy for us to grasp these concepts intellectually. Well, a different way to understand this theology is to enter into it. All right, we can understand theology by entering into it. And in the gospel, we see a way that we should do this. All right, Jesus connects his constant and unending presence with humanity, with the life of a disciple. All right, he says, make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you always until the end of the age. All right, so discipleship is connected with God's presence. And a disciple, which is something that every single one of us is called to, every single one of us uh, who's been baptized and who's entered into the life of Christ, uh, we're called to participate in this. All right, a disciple is a person who experiences the incarnation and the ascension in life. Put another way, a disciple is a person who makes the closeness of heaven and earth very visible. All right, disciples experience the joy of heaven even in the midst of suffering. All right, even through our trials, disciples experience a bit of joy. They even especially experience gratitude in all things. But disciples should also remain conscious that the world has fallen and that there's 
real suffering in the world, even in the midst of our joy. A Christian who experiences emotional zeal for God, great emotional excitement for holy things, but who remains a bit aloof to the world's suffering is not able to advance the kingdom of God, not able to build the kingdom. Similarly, a Christian who's very active and conscious of the world's evils and works to eliminate them, but remains cynical and empty of hope, also fails in a certain way. A disciple is a person who brings heaven into the world and who brings humanity into heaven. They experience both of these realities simultaneously. And again, as disciples, we need to do both parts. Every single baptized person is called to bring God's presence into the world, into ordinary life. A disciple brings God's presence into their homes, into their schools, into the places that they work, into their leisure activities, into their friendships. In one way, of course, it's very important that we do this, very simply, is through words. All right, let's look at some of Jesus' most difficult teachings here. Some people say, what's the most difficult thing that the church teaches? Or what's the most difficult thing that Jesus taught? And they might have their idea of certain moral teachings. But very often, the, the, the teachings of Jesus that are the most difficult for people to live, there's two of them that come to mind. Loving their enemies, not just tolerating their enemies, but actually loving their enemies and forgiving people who have harmed them. Those are the ones that people come to me and say, how do I do that? How can I possibly forgive this person? Well, again, our words matter. All right, giving in to angry gossip about our neighbors, about other coworkers, or perhaps our supervisors at work, harboring grudges, against family and friends. All right, that's not bringing God into the world. Rather, saying good things about our neighbors, even when they're difficult. Our co-workers and supervisors, even when they've been rude to us. All right, that's what does bring heaven to earth. Jesus, of course, also reveals some very challenging concepts about the relationships between men and women. All right? Participating in dirty jokes. All right? That doesn't bring God's presence into the world. Sharing details of your marriage with your friends and coworkers that should be kept private. All right? That is not bringing God's presence into the world. And this perhaps uh, is especially true of uh, men towards women, but creating an environment at work or perpetuating an environment at work where members of the opposite sex feel alienated or unwelcome. All right, that is not bringing God into the workplace.
speaking about the dignity of the human person, speaking about the beauty of the opposite sex in a way that is dignified and respectful. That is what God expects of us, and that is bringing God's presence into the world. Now, those are just a couple of ways that disciples might bring heaven to earth. That's the incarnational dimension of the Christian life. But as disciples, we also need to be mindful of that second part, that feast of the ascension. We're also called to bring humanity into heaven. This first and foremost begins with each one of us, personally. All right, taking time for meditative prayer, for some deep intimacy with the Lord, reading scripture with the heart and not just with the mind. All right, all of those things. When we enter into deep prayer like that, we're entering into a very heavenly moment with the Lord. We are unite making ourselves present to God who is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. The same thing goes with the Mass. Many of the fathers of the early church, they actually understood the Mass to be a taste of heaven, heaven on earth. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation, right, if you read that book of the Bible, uh, John explains what worship is like in heaven. He explains what the saints and angels are doing right now at the throne of the Lord. And you'll notice that a lot of those things are part of the Mass. Incense, candles, people dressed in white garments. That's why the Mass sort of developed the way it did. It was to actually reveal a little bit of that heavenly worship that we see in the book of Revelation. Many of the fathers of the early church, again, understood the Mass to be a little taste of heaven on earth. And so when we go to Mass, we're actually entering into a very sacred and heavenly moment with the Lord. When we take that time to pray and attend Mass, we're taking humanity with us into heaven. We're taking our own human nature with us, our own body, into heaven. And even though this begins with us as individuals, it's not supposed to end with us. As disciples, we need to bring others into heaven as well. This, of course, uh, has to do with, with parenting, parents. That's why we encourage our children to foster a life of prayer. Okay, good prayer habits, that's very important. We're teaching our kids to make themselves present to God who's in heaven. But it even goes beyond family. As disciples, we need to proclaim the kingdom of God to other people. That's why the very last words of the Mass are often, go and announce the gospel of the Lord. That's the one I usually say at the end of Mass. And I'm not just saying it as empty words. I actually want you to go and proclaim and announce the gospel. And I want to encourage you, perhaps especially this week, to take that 
seriously. I want to encourage you to announce the kingdom of God to somebody. Maybe it's a particular person, a family member or a friend who used to go to church regularly, but who doesn't go anymore. Okay, maybe not even a Catholic church. Maybe it's someone who went to a different church and has stopped attending. Announce it to them. You know, technology has given us a lot of opportunities to announce the gospel. You know, social media, unfortunately, is not always used in a graceful manner. Very often, I think it does more harm than good. But while it's here, we can use it in a graceful manner. What if you simply said on one of your social media accounts, going to Mass has been a positive and uplifting experience for me. And I think Mass can be a positive experience for you as well. If you'd like to go with me sometime, please let me know. I'd love to take you. Now that might sound simple. I promise you, if that's what you say, you don't sound like some kind of weirdo by saying that. You sound like a calm and sincere person who knows that life is difficult, that life is hard, but that you found a reason for hope, that you found some good news. You sound like somebody showing people that heaven is not as far away as we might think. You sound like a person who understands that God has come down from heaven and became human, but that God has also taken our humanity with him into his kingdom, where he makes us present to the Father in all of his glory.